What's up, guys? Brett Apley here from DailyFanMMA.com, back with another UFC Quick Picks on the Mayo Media Network. We have UFC Vegas 60 on Saturday. Corey Sanhagen versus Song Yidong in the main event. Should be a good one. 14 fights on the slate, so it's just going to be a very high-scoring event, I think. Should be a fun one to follow. As usual, I'm going to give you my favorite cash game play, tournament play, salary play, and my tournament matchup of the week. Before I get into those picks, please make sure you subscribe to the channel, like the video, and this week let me know um, let me know which underdog you think is going to win. Let's make it that simple because there are, I think, a lot of them. I think there are a lot of live underdogs. I'm probably looking for you know three, three type constructions, and there are a lot of underdogs with upside too. So the ability to pick correctly below the mid range is going to be very, very important. Always interested to hear who you guys select and without further ado let's move into my cash game play of the week which is going to be Corey Sanhagen at 9.2k all right Corey Sanhagen in cash games at 9.2k I think this one's fairly straightforward minus 185 to beat Song Yidong in the main event five rounds worth of exposure uh, worth of fight potential for Sanhagen, I should say. And he's coming off back-to-back five-round fights against Peter Yan and TJ Dillashaw. So, Dillashaw. so we, know, we know he's capable of it. And he lost both those fights, but, I mean, he still landed 128 and 169 significant strikes in those two matchups. Um, in the two losses, let me just double-check, on DraftKings, 60 and 79 fantasy points. So that's kind of... From a cash game perspective, it's like, yeah, am, am I certain that Sanhagen's going to win this fight? No. But if he loses and scores 79 points, 60 points, somewhere in that range, it's hard to complain too much. Still a very high floor. I think from a ceiling perspective is where you can start to poke holes in Sanhagen's game because 14 fighters on this slate, that means even if Sanhagen goes out there and wins, there's probably going to be 13 other winners. And it, it may just be a case where someone like Trevin Giles or Daniel Zellhuber or Joe Pfeiffer outscore him in this top range. So I think at a high public ownership, 9.2K in tournaments, that's where you can start to think maybe I'll come in a little bit underweight. Uh, because Sanhagen doesn't project to wrestle that much. He only averages 0.71 takedowns per 15 minutes. Don't really project him to win inside the distance at a high clip here either, plus 300 inside the distance line. That's pretty poor. So like I said, you can poke holes in Sanhagen for tournaments. I still do think he has the ceiling to get there at 9.2K because 150 significant strikes plus you know a takedown in a, in a decision, he's scoring what? 90 to 100 points or more, which exceeds value at the, at 9.2K. So um, ultimately, though, for cash games, I think Sandhagen's quite safe. Averages 6.42 significant strikes landed per minute. Um, Song Yidong absorbing 3.78. Good defensive numbers, but he's tended to slow down even in three-round fights, like against Casey Kenny, like against Marlon Vera, like against Cody Stamen. And over five rounds, it's a little bit difficult for me to trust um, Song Yidong to put up strikes at high volume, especially against a fighter like Sanhagen, who's going to move, use footwork, kind of dart in and out, and just make it difficult for, for Song to like kind of land power strikes, which is his forte, power-based boxing. And um, from a DraftKings perspective, 9.2K, it's not even that expensive of a price tag. There's other fighters like Pfeiffer, who's going to be popular at 9.7K, saying Sanhagen saves you $500 
off the top end. So main event favorite, 9.2K, five rounds of exposure, high volume, fairly safe, moderate upside. I think he's a very strong cash game play this week. Moving on to tournaments, going to take a little bit of a risk here and roll with Jillian Robertson at 8.5K. And I'm always half interested in Robertson and half scared because I don't love some parts of her game. Like she's very dependent on grappling, doesn't really have a range striking game to speak of. Let me pull up her numbers um, real quick. She's averaging 2.39 significant strikes landed per minute. So you're not going to expect Robertson to do much on the feet. And from a fantasy perspective, she's not going to score well while the fight plays out on the feet. Um, and even as a wrestler, she, she kind of lacks that physicality, lacks that drive explosiveness for me to be confident that she's going to take down all of her opponents with any consistency. Um, coming off a loss to J.J. Aldridge in which she only landed one takedown. And she's now lost three of her last four fights. So I'm kind of hoping that the public is a little bit off her in this matchup because she just hasn't come through lately. But, I mean, looking through her DraftKings history, in the fight she has won, she scored 98, 97, 106, 110, 92, 94, which is pretty good. And I think this is a matchup for her to excel. She's minus 145 to beat Maria Agapova. And Agapova coming off a loss to Marina Moroz, in which she gave up a couple takedowns, gave up her back, and was submitted in the second round. And if this fight plays out in the feet, I favor Agapova. I think Agapova is just a better striker, a more willing striker, more dangerous, higher volume, etc. But... Man, Agapova, I really did not like when she was fighting Morose and she would get clinched up and she would get kind of dumped on the ground. She just did not have the skills necessary to stand up without giving up her back. And it, it was like, it's not even like a case where, oh, like she just tried really hard, but Morose is an excellent back taker. Agapova gave up her back every single time. It was extremely obvious. And I think most solid grapplers would be able to take her back in those same situations. So I do think if Jillian Robertson can get one or two takedowns, she has a lot of back take upside because she is a skilled back taker, a very good submission grappler. And therefore, she has submission ability as well. Robertson's plus 130 inside the distance. That's pretty decent. And yeah, this is a risk. But 8.5K with grappling, domination, submission upside, I, I think it's a risk worth taking. 8.5K is not an expensive price tag. Again, hoping the public ownership is a little bit lower than we've seen in the past because of Robertson's recent form. And I'm not I'm not, I'm not betting Robertson personally on her money line, but from a DraftKings perspective, I like her grappling upside. I'm willing to take chances here um, for the back take ability especially, so she's going to be my tournament play of the week. All right, moving on to my salary play of the week. This one's really tough because I think there's, as I mentioned, I think there's a lot of underdogs who have a chance, and ultimately I'm going to roll with Marc-Andre Berriot at 7.5K. He's currently plus... Uh, 152 against Anthony Hernandez. Um, and I, I definitely think Hernandez can win this fight. And I definitely think Hernandez has fantasy upside because Hernandez is a super aggressive fighter, really needs to work on the inside in the clinch on the ground to have success. And he's coming off a, a victory over Josh Fremd in which he landed eight takedowns and put up, what, 
um, put up 117 points on DraftKings. And you look at Marc-Andre Barrio, 68% takedown defense, just gave up two takedowns to Jordan Wright, gave up a couple to Lungi Mbula. If Anthony Hernandez wins, I think it comes from takedowns and the grind, the cage grind, the ground grind, maybe even a submission. I think Anthony Hernandez is a good fantasy target, and I will have exposure to him. However, however, I don't think Hernandez is like an elite wrestler and grappler by any stretch. I don't necessarily trust in his ability to take Burrio down with any consistency because Barrio does does have some give. Like he, he will probably get taken down a couple times, but he typically works up to his feet very, very well. And I don't think he's ever been submitted in his career. And, you know, Anthony Hernandez is like an average submission grappler. I think he's probably a purple belt in jiu-jitsu. Don't quote me on that, but um, he, he's not like a high-level black belt. Like, it's not like, oh, if Hernandez gets this fight to the ground one time, it's over. If Hernandez gets this fight to the ground, he's going to jump on front, front headlocks and I think does have submission upside still, but it's also going to allow Barrio the space to be able to stand up if he wants to. And, like, that's why Hernandez needed eight takedowns to beat Josh Fremd. It wasn't two to three takedowns. 12 minutes of control, that's it. It was Hernandez getting a takedown, you know, jumping on a submission, failing kind of over and over and over again. And he ultimately won by decision. And point being, if if Barriot can keep this fight standing or he can scramble up to his feet with any consistency, I think he's going to have a considerable advantage over Hernandez on the feet who doesn't really have, doesn't really have a range game. I mean, it wasn't that long ago where... Anthony Hernandez was kind of hurt by Marcus Perez, who's in the pillow fight championships, literally, and was submitted in the second round. That was a couple years ago. So he was also knocked out cold by Kevin Holland in 2020. So it's like, I just don't have any faith that Hernandez can win fights outside of this aggressive, clinch-grinding, grappling game. And if that works, so be it. He's going to score a lot of points. If it doesn't, he's going to be pretty vulnerable against Burrio, who... Strikes at a very high pace, 5.79 significant strikes landed per minute, uh, a very tough fighter, powerful, landed 141 strikes over Azaitar um, in three rounds, landed 118 over, over Lungi Mbula, and I, I think it's going to have potential to to hurt Hernandez. Um, Barriot is plus 255 inside the distance. That's a really good inside the distance number for 7.5K, and I think... I'm willing to take chances on him and a lot of other fighters in this range. I will be spreading out my exposure. But I think this is a good matchup to target. I think it's going to be fought at a very, very high pace, um, minus 140 to end inside the distance. It's kind of binary in the sense where Hernandez gets his grappling going and has success, or he doesn't, in which case Berriot has a clear path to victory and a path to winning this fight by knockout. So 7.5K is cheap enough to warrant some exposure. Um, I'm going to be fairly heavy on this fight as a whole, and Barrio will be my salary play of the week. And finally, my tournament matchup of the week. I'm going to go with Chidi Njikawani versus Grigory Rodriguez. Njikawani is minus 122, Rodriguez plus 102. Rodriguez actually more expensive on DraftKings at 8.2K versus Njikawani only 8K. Perhaps that makes Njikawani the more popular fighter of the two, as he's he's actually scored 130 and 108 in his two UFC fights 
Um, Rodriguez has looked good, too, coming off a, a impressive knockout against Julian Marquez. 141 DraftKings points. I, I just really like this fight from a tournament perspective because of those mid-range prices. 8.2K, 8K, if we get a finish on either side, that winner is going to have a good chance at the optimal lineup. The fight is minus 260 to end inside the distance. And what I find interesting about this matchup is Njikawani is a, a very good kickboxer. And um, he wants to keep the fight standing. And if he does, he's going to have a chance to win by knockout. Gregory, Gregory Rodriguez is a very good wrestler and grappler. Um, especially on the ground. I think, he, I think his wrestling and grappling is just... Good. I think he's just good. I don't know what, what other word to use to describe it. He's effective. He's physical. But he's another one of these dudes who just doesn't really care, just doesn't really care that much about using his path to victory. And a good example of that is against Julian Marquez, um, who he did not attempt one single takedown against. And he looked great. He landed three knockdowns, 49 significant strikes, one by knockout in the first round. But he was getting tired, and he was getting hurt. And the two things we've noted about Rodriguez in the past is that he gets tired and he gets hurt. And so I think if he uses his boxing, he can have success. But he also very easily could get knocked out by Njikawani. And then if he tries to grapple... He's either going to land takedowns and have success on the mat against an opponent who has been out grappled multiple times in his career, or he's going to get tired attempting that path, which is just going to make Njikwani, like more effective offensively when the fight gets back to standing. So Njikwani is a little bit risky in the sense that he'll need a knockout to have a chance at the optimal lineup, but I really do think it's it's a potential and perhaps likely outcome. Plus 170 inside the distance as a slight favorite, 8K. I think he's a good tournament play with early knockout upside, just maybe a little bit of a smaller window um, to reach that optimal. And Rodriguez, plus 165 inside the distance. That's very good for 8.2K. Has some of that knockout ability as well, but also... Um, takedown, grappling upside, and submission ability as well. So I th I kind of think Njikawani is going to be more popular, which would make me lean a little bit toward Rodriguez, especially because of the additional grappling path. But this is kind of just a fight that I want to be invested in. Again, minus 260 ends inside the distance. That's something that over the long run I think is important to target at a mid-range price. A finish here would signal a, a high score and a likely optimal um, like likely optimal output so um, great fight to target it's the co-main event so uh, we'll have to wait a little while to to watch it but one of my favorite fights of the night and definitely one that I'll be invested in this weekend all right guys that's going to do it for this week's UFC quick picks thank you again for the support you can follow me on twitter Brett Apley double t double p dailyfanmma.com for all your DraftKings breakdowns needs best of luck in your contest this week take care stay safe we'll talk to you soon peace